In my time here as the preaching pastor, I have not preached through many parables. Based upon the books that we've chosen to work through, that the Spirit has led, there hasn't been a lot of there haven't been a lot of parables. And so, of course, as you know, if you're here this morning, that we didn't go into the book of Romans. The Lord wanted us to hear from Solomon and Ecclesiastes. And hopefully, you were able to say amen a little bit. Hopefully, you were able to say ouch a little bit. And then the Lord put on my heart, Matthew 25. But it's kind of a continuation from the morning sermon. Don't fear. I hope that it will be encouraging for you. I'm going to give you the two points to the sermon right now. So you can write it down and leave if you want to. Be ready. Be faithful. Sit. Be ready and be faithful. Anyone want to go? So be it. We will work through, Lord willing, verse 1 through verse 30. The way we're going to do it is I'm going to read along and make commentary as we go, and I'm going to hopefully show you the ideas of being ready and being faithful. If you're not familiar with the Gospel of Matthew, it's Matthew's perspective, if you will, certainly under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Matthew's perspective on Jesus' life. If you spend any time in the four Gospels, you know that they're, they have different flavors to them. The Gospel of John feels different than Matthew. There's a lot of similarities, of course, but even the ways that they're written, it's different, different perspectives. Think of a car accident, if you will. And there were four different perspectives of the car accident. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of things that were similar, but they're going to have unique parts to their story. Matthew has a lot of parables. There seems to need to be some working knowledge of the Old Testament to understand what's going on in Matthew. There's a Jewish feel to it. In chapter 24, he had just, Jesus had been teaching here, he just said that nobody actually knows the day or the hour when Jesus would return. So let me start off real quick. Do not listen to people who say they know when Jesus is coming back. Ignore that garbage. Follow what Scripture says. Be ready. Be faithful. And yes, we desire that he would come back. But don't listen. When people start throwing out dates and stuff because they've studied a certain book of the Bible, and then if you match it with their horoscope and they had a fortune cookie and they're pretty certain that he's coming back, you know how many times that has come and gone? You know how many people foolishly follow that and sell off a whole bunch of stuff and make unwise decisions? Don't listen to that. Scripture says nobody knows. So guess what? Nobody knows. But in the end of 24... He's talking about a servant that the master has. And if the servant thinks that the master is going to be delayed and he begins to mistreat those people around him, when the master returns, 
that servant will be punished. That's where he is in 24. Okay? So now we're going to go into 25. Two parables we're going to cover tonight. The parable of the ten virgins. Let's begin 25, verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Okay, in this time, the bridegroom would come to town. He would go to the bride's house and the party would start there. He will walk through the town and people would join them as they went through. The bridegroom comes to town, verse 2. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. I think this side usually gets the negative side, so you guys get to be wise tonight. You guys get to be foolish. Change over if you want to. Five were wise and five were foolish. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. Now he's going to come, he could show up at any point, he could show up at night, and you don't have any oil for your lamp. They don't have iPhones. They don't have electricity. Oil's kind of important for the lamp. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. Both groups are sleeping. He's been delayed a little bit. We are expecting him sooner. You guys are sleeping. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. The bridegroom's Jesus, folks. That trumpet's coming. That trumpet's going to sound, and they're going to say, here's the bridegroom. Here's Jesus. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. Don't miss this. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore. For you know neither the day nor the hour. Point one. Be ready. Don't wait to trust in Christ. In a room this size, the amount of people here, it's still very likely that there are some of you who do not know him, really. And you might be messing around, you might be playing church, but be ready. Let me encourage you with that. Be ready. Make sure you are right with God before you leave this place tonight. You do not want to be found 
going and looking for oil. And then the door be shut. That is going to happen to so many. You need to be ready. And we need to make sure that people hear. There is nothing that is going to change that situation. Yes, God uses government. We went through this in our series. God uses government and laws at times to hold back evil. But ultimately, what needs to happen in Uganda and every country around, including this one, is the gospel needs to break forth. That's what changes people from the inside out. And you think that's bizarre what's happening there, folks. We won't be that far behind if things don't change. The gospel is what changes people. God uses other things to restrain. That's true. People need to hear the gospel because if the bridegroom comes, think about how many people you know who are going to be running for oil. And the door will be shut. So for you, you make sure you're ready. Make sure you're right with God. You've truly trusted in the Savior. And make sure others are ready. The best that we can. We can't do it for them. But we've got to share. Think about this island. Think about Rosewood. He comes tonight. How many people aren't going? We've got to share. Point one. Point two. Be faithful. Second parable. Parable of the talents. Verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. See? He calls you, says, come, I'm going on a trip, here's my property, there's trust. To one, he gave five talents, to another, two, and to another, one, to each according to his ability. You see that? They get a certain number of talents based upon their ability. Who decides how many talents they get? Who decides? Tell me. Now God does. The master does, right? He decides. You don't go and say, well, I, I want two. I want five. I want what that person has. No, no, no. Master decides what you get. Does God know what you need? Are you sure? Then can you trust him with what he's given you? Then why don't we live like it sometimes? Why do we doubt him? He knows. He decides. Then he went away. Verse 16. He who had received five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. He didn't sit on it. Took the five he was given. What did he do? He went and doubled it. So also he had two talents made. How many talents more? Two. Doubled it. But he who had received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. On the surface, that may not be a bad idea. Master gave you some money. Maybe you don't want to lose it. This guy says, I'm just going to go dig and hole in the ground and put it in there. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. Verse 19. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. He comes back. Is this the theme? He comes back. The master comes back. And he says, it's time to talk. 
time to settle up. See what you've done. And he who had received, verse 20, the five talents came forward bringing five talents more. How do you think he felt? How do you think he felt in that moment that he knows that the master gave him five and he's coming forward with five more? Think he's feeling shame? I kind of picture him just going up like doing a jig. Hey, what's up? He's coming. He's excited. There's joy. He came forward bringing five talents saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 22, and he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. He doubled it. Again, he's going up and he's doing his dance. He's excited. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. One guy had five, brought in ten. One guy had two and brought in four. What's the difference in what, he, what the reply was from the master? Not a thing. It's not about the result in the sense of how much you brought in. They both were faithful. Based upon what the master had decided how much they should get. They took that and they used it. They did what they could, all that they could, being faithful for the master. One brought in more than the other one, but they both doubled it because they used what God had given them. And he says, well done. Brothers and sisters, there is nothing more that I want for you and that Jesus will look at you and say well done good and faithful servant enter into the joy of your master it's about faithfulness well I don't have the giftings that that person has what do you have whatever God has decided to give you you be faithful with that. This applies to, you can apply it to your finances. You can apply it to your life. It definitely applies to your spiritual gifts, I would say. And it applies to our salvation. Our mentality needs to be, I'm going to heaven and I'm taking as many people with me as I can. I want to be just, just bringing people, grabbing them and just taking them with me. And if people are going to hell, as Spurgeon would say, they better jump over our bodies. that's eternal 
people's souls are eternal. And what we use the giftings for that our master has given us. That's how he's going to measure faithfulness. Those good works that Miss Didi read earlier for you to walk in. That's what this is talking about. But you don't need to compare. If your role is to teach a Sunday school class to three people because that's what God has allotted for you and you don't get to preach to 10,000 people, preach to those three people. Teach those three people. And God will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. And he might say, I don't know you to the guy who was preaching to 10,000 because even though he was doing that, it may not be a real relationship there and God may have given him a lot more capabilities it's not the result, ultimately. It's faithfulness. Here's the tragedy. Here's the tragedy, and I think it's all over the place. It's all over the church. Verse 24. He also who had received the one talent came forward. Saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. Ooh. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. Kind of link this to somebody who doesn't know Jesus. Is the wrath of the Lamb serious? You better believe it. It's kind of like those people who only become Christians for the fire insurance. God's an angry God, so I just want to believe in Him. I'll just believe that stuff so I don't go to hell. He doesn't know the Master very well at all. And he took what God had given him and he hid it. He didn't share things that he knew. He had gifts. He didn't use them at all. Let's see if he gets a well done. He didn't lose it. He gave back what was his. Verse 26, but his master master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. I don't think he's admitting that that's what he does. I think he's just restating. John MacArthur talks about this. I think he's right. I think he's restating what this guy has said, so he's going to use his own words against him. Because, right, it's the master's fault that he didn't do it. You see that? It's the ma- uh, it's your, you're so bad that I was scared, so I didn't do it. Kind of like, Adam... Well, the woman you gave me, right? Like, what? You just blame God that you sinned. Verse 27, if that were true, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. <laughs> Do you really feared me? You would have put it in the bank and you would have gotten some interest. 
Don't let this be you. Don't let this be you, verse 28. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. Take it from the one who is unfaithful and give it to those who are faithful. This isn't saying you're going to lose your salvation. The point is the person never knew Christ. If you want to apply it to those who are believers and have gifts and things, but they never use them. Some try to apply it that way. You can. He doesn't give you gifts for you to bury him. He gives you gifts to be a blessing, to build up the church and to reach the lost. Verse 29, for to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance but from the one who has not even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place there will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth the writer Matthew here continues on to talk about the final judgment I said at the beginning I wanted you to get two things Anyone remember what the first one was? Be ready. Do not leave here without getting right with God. Be ready and make it your mission to make sure that everyone in your life at least has a chance to be ready. They may shoot you down. They may say, I'm not interested in that. Hey, you can go to, you can go to hell if you desire. But it's over my body. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. We're going to try. We are going to try and try and try to be faithful. We need the help of his spirit to do so. Be faithful or be ready. And the second one I just gave it away. What is it? You have been given salvation. And man, you have been given some amazing gifts. Use them for the glory of God. Use them for the edification of the church and use them to reach our neighbors and the nations. Brothers and sisters, be faithful. Don't compare yourself to others. Be very careful with that. Here's what always happens when you compare. You compare yourself to others. You compare your giftings to others, your personality, whatever it is. You compare to others. One of two things will happen. You will look at them and think, I'm better than them, and pride will come. Or you'll say, I don't match up to them. And another form of pride will come where you think about yourself and how terrible you are. And you will be sad. But if you only look to Christ, your master who has given you your talents, has given you your gifts, and you just say, I want to be faithful to him and get that well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Let's pray. God, we need you. What we're talking about, Lord, it cannot be done on our own strength. That's not how you've designed it. You have designed this to be done by the work of your spirit. So I'm asking that right now, Holy Spirit, for those who under the sound of my voice, they do not know you. They are not ready. I pray that they would cry out. 
believing in Jesus, believing in his death on the cross as a sacrifice to, to take the wrath of God as we were singing about. And how even though Jesus died, death could not hold him because he was the perfect spotless lamb. After three days, he rose, defeating sin, Satan, and death. And because of that, we are justified in your sight. That sacrifice was pleasing to you, God. Help everyone in here to be ready. Help us to make sure that everyone that we know has at least heard and had the opportunity to be ready. And Lord, for everybody in here, for followers of yours, the master, by your spirit, help us to walk in faithfulness. Not comparing, but walking in faithfulness to you. Because you are the one we worship and the one we want to please. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.